Grace and peace. God bless you. Welcome back to Soteria Prophetic Ministries. I want to talk to you a little bit about a passage of scripture. It's coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. And it simply says, Moreover, it is required of a steward that he be found faithful. And there are several other translations that help us define what a steward is. A steward looks like someone who is in a management or an authoritative position, a position um, that requires responsibility. It's a heavy lifted position. Um, several other translations refer to a steward as being a trustee or a dispenser. So this is someone who has been entrusted with something, but in that trust is required to um, make an exchange or to uh, perform by virtue of that that they have been given. And so there's also a parable that refers to that as well. Many of you are familiar with that, the parable of the 10 talents. And so you would find there that the householder would come back after a certain period of time to see what the stewards, though his trustees, had done with his talents. Okay. And so another word for trustees is servants, uh, managers. And so the, it all circles around um, management, being able to manage. So you're talking about managing your own behavior, managing your conduct, managing your responses, managing your consistency, managing your life, as well as managing those things that God has entrusted to you. And so when the Bible talks about how it is required of a steward to be found faithful, these are some of the qualities that God looks for in terms of promotion, elevation, reassignment, transfers, and all of that good stuff. Any good Bible student can um, just a survey, an exhaustive survey of Scripture when you look at the men and women of God whom the Lord, ch ch um, who he chose to do a work they were first found to be faithful it it was it their talents was irrelevant their skill set was irrelevant irrelevant that anointing was even irrelevant believe it or not i know in this age in modern church a uh, modern church world we look at the anointing it's got to be anointed it's got to be anointed but god doesn't choose individuals based upon the anointing as a matter of fact he will choose you based uh, upon your evidence of faithfulness and consistency and then through that the anointing comes and so this trips up a lot of people because many times we feel that we have these giftings and we've got these anointings and we've got these talents and so surely God you would choose me to do this thing and that's not the way that God chooses um, I, I want to talk, for example, about how Jesus chose the 12. Neither of the 12 disciples, before they became apostles, neither of the 12 disciples were men of anointing. Okay? None of them had the Holy Ghost. Nobody knew, uh, served uh, in the temple, right? Um, no doubt they were devout Jews, but they didn't serve in the temple. In other words, they didn't have an office in the church or in the temple but what they were good at and what they their demonstrated faithfulness was found in the area of their business and Peter of course being a phenomenal example of that even Matthew being a tax collector and many of the Jews frowned upon the tax collectors and so God still chose him because why even though people dislike what you do I like how you do it and so when we look at why God has chosen certain individuals and why God has not yet, um, 
don't just look at how anointed a person are or how charismatic because this is what landed Israel in trouble when they overlook or they um they well they overlooked uh, Samuel and they appealed to God for a king they wanted someone who was stately they wanted someone who had that look they wanted someone who would you know they wanted their someone and uh, there was a problem with that and God knew it but the Lord said you know what if this is what you want this is what I'll give you because there was a teachable moment in that and I'm sure many of us me included have found ourselves learning hard lessons by virtue of choosing something that looked the part but didn't have what it took to to get the work done um, and so when God chose uh, when God allowed uh, Sam, excuse me, Saul to be king, God knew fully well that Saul was inadequate and he was would have been ineffective in his role. And so that's why God had already chosen David. It, it, David wasn't God's plan B. God, David was already in the plan of God. But the Lord was also monitoring and checking the hearts of Israel to see what do you really want? What is it that you're really going after? And so we really have to be careful as people of God that we're not chasing after the noise and we're not chasing after um, a sound or we're not chasing after some type of um, stimulus, you know, a stimulant, something that makes us feel good, you know, because yeah, it may make you feel good, but is it good for you? And does it have the stamina to endure to the end? Because charisma runs out, charm runs out, even the anointing can, can be lifted. But the core of a person's character is what says it all about them. Who they are in the trenches, who they are on the front line, who they are in a waiting season, who they are in their industrial season. These things speak to the character of that person. And this was what Jesus saw in Apostle Peter. We know Peter was a very animated character. Um, you know, he would succumb to his emotions and, and sometimes act out irrationally. But at the end of the day, Jesus knew that Peter was in it to win it. And, and, and Peter never, uh, you know, Peter accepted who he was. He never made apologies. You know what I'm saying? He owned who he was. You know, get away from me. You know, and he, he knew when he messed up. And, and so what Jesus saw in Peter, I believe, are some of the same attributes that he's looking for in us to be real, to be our authentic selves, to not put on uh, uh, airs and, and to not present ourselves or, you know, or um, announce ourselves to be something or someone that we're not. To be honest with where you are, take a personal inventory of where you are, and if that's in a messed up place, then that's just where I am. <laughs> you know, And it's so liberating to say, you know what, I am just not in a good place right now, as opposed to using that religious facade to try to deceive or try to put that image out there that we're really not. And that's what landed Saul in trouble. Saul was struggling with obedience. Saul was struggling with the office of being a king. And instead of him pulling Samuel to the side and say, hey, I'm struggling, I'm going through, you know, I, I don't feel equipped, I'm, you know, having mind battles. Instead of him pulling Samuel to the side and confessing those things, Samuel, excuse me, Saul instead blamed it on the people. It's the people, it's the people, it's the people. And so there comes a time where when we, when we, when we study and we think about 
why God has done certain things and why God is doing certain things or why God is not, you know, hasn't even, it hasn't even crossed his mind is because God is looking for that element of faithfulness. And sometimes when you're in that season where God is trying you and you're being tested in your faithfulness, it's going to feel as if God is elevating everybody around you except you. And it's going to feel like you have been forgotten. You're going to feel like you've been overlooked. You're going to feel taken advantage of. You're going to go through all of those emotions. And, 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 and they're valid. They're valid. It is. You do feel what you feel. And that is your present reality. What you see is what it, what it looks like is what you see. But understand this and know how God works. That's one of the things that I have just learned over the years as a student of the word is to understand how God works. What keeps me grounded, what keeps me from losing my mind in seasons of great conflict and challenge is that I've, I've, I have committed myself to understanding how God works. Now, does that mean I know everything about the plan of God? Of course not. But what I have learned is I've learned through studying his word and learn how as I have studied his his uh his the way that he has moved in the lives of of the people of old the saints of old I've learned his mannerisms and his habits and in that I'm able to carry that knowledge over into my own life and it helps me cope it helps me endure it helps me to remain steadfast and so I want to encourage you that if you're in that season where you feel as if I'm being overlooked. I'm being cast aside. I'm I've been forgotten. And it doesn't have to be anything church related. It can be family related. It can be career related. But what I want to encourage you is that God is looking for that element of faithfulness even when you haven't been called yet. Even when you feel overlooked, God still expects you to show up because just as Peter kept fishing despite the fact that he didn't catch fish. And it, there was there's a there's a a lesson in that is a, a nugget, a, a very a, a wisdom nugget in that he kept fishing even though he didn't catch anything. And so many of us are so quick to give up. We're so quick to give up. We're so quick to give in. We're so quick to forfeit and walk away. And little did Peter know Jesus was standing there at the brink of that water. And he observed the, 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 the toil. He observed the labor. He observed the frustration. And he yet required Peter to be faithful. Bring me your boat. Let me preach out of your boat. And Peter did that even though he was frustrated. He yet remained faithful. And when he, he obeyed and he abided by what the Lord Jesus required him to do, Jesus said, now go back out and launch your net again. And the man, Peter, walked away with the overflow. So let that bless your heart. Let it bless your spirit. Let it bless your mind. Let it bless your endeavors as you continue to do what God has called you to do. Don't worry about when it's your time. Why me? Why not me? Listen, God has not forgotten you. Okay. Can a mother forget her suckling child? No, neither can God forget you. So I want you to take this word and I want you to be encouraged. Amen. And we'll come back at the next appointed time and we'll release what the spirit of God is saying to the church. God bless you.